0: You are now tuned into the anxious ambition podcast where you'll be hearing raw and unfiltered conversations with those who struggle with mental illness but refuse to let that get in the way of them achieving their dreams our hope is that by hearing their stories you're inspired to do more here are their stories anxious
1: ambition
0: Welcome back to another episode of the Anxious Ambition Podcast. I am your host, Justin Allen, and today we have another special guest. Today's guest was diagnosed with bipolar 1 disorder about 14 years ago. Over that period, he was hospitalized over 20 different times. He's now the host of the Bipolar Bachelor Podcast, where he empowers others to not be defined by their diagnosis. Here to tell us his story, Jared Madison Fry. Welcome to the show.
2: Thank you, sir. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: I'm happy to have you on. I know we just we just started linking up like a couple of weeks ago, and I'm so glad to have you on. Perfect, Absolutely. perfect for this because I've never honestly I've never, um, I've got some family members that have bipolar two, um, but I've never actually dug deep with someone you know with, with dealing with uh, bipolar one. So this can be really interesting. Um, oh, yeah. I guess before we even well to get started, what is what's been your story with with mental health? you know, what's what the journey looked like for you? So I know, I mean, I, I, I've listened to it and it's, it's intense. And I want everyone to hear it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So my journey with mental health started way before I ever got a diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Uh, I grew up in a happy home, a very loving family. Um, I was a very creative child. Um, I, I loved, I, I I was involved in sports and stuff like that, but I, I loved like musical theater. I loved all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I was always very outgoing. I had a great personality. Um, people kind of, not to sound arrogant, but people kind of flocked to me, sure. you know. Um, and so it was easy for me to make friends. I was homeschooled, so that was an arena where I was able to step out and meet all these new people. I started working at age fifteen um, for my dad's company in sales at fifteen years old, um, and I just, yeah, I mean, I, I started kind of making my way through life. Um, kind of struggled with some stuff here and there internally didn't really know how to verbalize it or externalize it and I really just kind of kept it all hidden inside to the point where at 18 years old I ran away from home thinking I could run away from my problems um, and figure out life for myself and that was where trouble started for me at 18 I ran away from home and I started pursuing just a crazy lifestyle. I was doing drugs, sex, rock and roll, you name it, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, I started smoking cigarettes at 18, drinking, you know, getting, just letting, sowing my wild oats like a lot of people do, you Mm -hmm. know. Um, And so I did that for about a year or so. And I got involved in drugs, doing marijuana, cocaine, um, nothing crazy, crazy, but um, tried this thing called DXM. And for those that don't know, DXM is uh, basically cough syrup, except in pill form. And if you take enough of them, you, you do what's called robo-tripping. And that can spark, in someone who's bipolar, a drug-induced psychosis. So I didn't know. Right. You know, at this point, I'm just sowing my wild oats, living my life, having fun. Mm-hmm. You know, And all of a sudden, I start tripping on DXM. And the next thing I know, two weeks has gone by and I'm in Hammond, Louisiana, which is 45 minutes away from where I lived. And with somebody I didn't really know that well. And I'm thinking that I'm going to die. Like, I was strung out of my mind. I couldn't put thoughts together. I couldn't think clearly. I, I stole this guy's cell phone and I called my dad. And it's literally 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. And I'm calling my dad. I'm freaking out thinking like, dad, I'm, I'm like dying, like something's wrong with me. And he's like, I'm coming to get you. Where are you? And so I tell him where I am. And I, I tell him where I'll meet him. I walked like a mile or two to the nearest gas station. Because uh, if you know anything about him in Louisiana, there's nothing around. Okay. <laughs> okay. And so I walked up the road mm-hmm. um, to this gas station. and I just sat there and I waited for him to come pick me up. And sure enough, my dad showed up, picked me up and um, brought me home. And I Got in the shower and then fell asleep and just like slept hardcore. And the next morning I was like, all right, I want to go home. Like, I-, I need to go back to my apartment. And, you know, we, we still were kind of on rocky terms because mm-hmm. of the whole running away thing. Sure. And, you know, but family's family. So I go back to my apartment and my roommate tells me that I'm kicked out. And I can't stay here. And that's that. So something kind of flipped in me though still because I wasn't quite right. Mm-hmm. I wandered over to a neighbor's porch and laid down on their porch and just like passed out for some unknown amount of time. I don't know if it was five minutes, I don't know if it was three hours. Wow. Like it was just I didn't have a I didn't have a phone on me. So then I get the brilliant idea to start walking back to my parents' house. Mind you, my parents live a good seven to ten miles away from where I lived cool. at the time. So I start walking through the city. I get on the interstate. I got hit by a car what? getting on the on-ramp. And I end up on the other side of the on-ramp. And I'm like and then I'm walking through water and like little rivers and just like it was it was insane. And I somehow made it back to my parents' house later that afternoon, sunburned as hell. Yeah. Strung out of my mind on God knows what was in my system Mm -hmm. and I I walked back up the street and one thing my dad always said was when I ran away, he said, I'm going to look for you to come back up the street one day. And here I come, strung out of my mind, walking (laughs) back up the street. And so that was the beginning of the end for me because I was hospitalized within the next couple of days and diagnosed bipolar, Um, found out through a drug-induced psychosis. So what does all that mean? So bipolar disorder is classified as a mood disorder, Mm -hmm. um, which can rapidly change depending on your diagnosis. So for people who struggle with bipolar disorder type one, those people tend to be more high-strung. They struggle more with mania, which is an elevated state of mood. Um, And then you have people who struggle with bipolar disorder bipolar disorder type two, who are more on the depressed end of the spectrum, and they they struggle with being down and depressed. So you got high and you got low. And that's where the classic confusion comes in with bipolar disorder in regards to mental health. Mm-hmm. Because people are like, oh, my God, that person's so bipolar yeah. or, oh, this weather's so bipolar. Like that's such a gross misusage yes. of the term. And that's one of the things I advocate for is education. Mm-hmm. Because people just, they're either ignorant or they they really don't know, you know? Um, And so those are the two different types that you can struggle with. And mine happens to be a rapid cycling. So I cycle very rapidly in and out of states of depression. Um, But like I said, for type one, mostly I struggle with mania. Mm -hmm. So what does this look like at 18 years old? I I get this diagnosis and I think, well, my life's over. I mean, they're telling me, I'm going to be on meds for the rest of my life, um, you know, and I I thought it was a death sentence. You know, here I am in a mental hospital, freaked out of my mind, um, surrounded by people who have killed people, people who are on powerful antipsychotic medication that's got them zombied out and just zoned out of their mm-hmm. minds. And I'm like, what the
0: fuck? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. I...
2: You know? Yeah. And so I come out of that experience and I was struggling through staying stable and it took a couple of times in and out of hospitals to get me on the right medication, you know, and working with a good doctor. And, you know, that was that was a, a very big struggle early on was finding a doctor who was willing to work with me, you know, not just somebody who wanted to, to put me on meds to zombie me out. Mm-hmm. And that Began the struggle of this fourteen-year journey to where I am today, and so I've been, like you said in the intro, in and out of hospitals, probably at least twenty times, if not more, Jeez. Um, over the last fourteen years. I I'm very hard-headed, so I've you know had to hit rock bottom multiple times, mm-hmm. um, and I lived a lifestyle that was just fast and hard. You know, I I just because drugs fucked me up that one time didn't mean I wasn't going to try them again, Mm -hmm. you know? (laughs) They're fun. That's what I mean when I'm saying I'm hard-headed, you know? So I, you know, I I get out of that first bout and initial diagnosis, and then I go off to college a few years later, start smoking weed again, and I go absolutely manic and psychotic because of weed, had to drop out of college, hospitalized again, I was in my fourth year at college, so I was almost done. Yeah, and I had to drop out due to getting hospitalized. My girlfriend at the time I was dating, like you know, she stuck with me through it, but that relationship didn't end up working out in the end. Um, It was just a rough go, you know. And so I I got hospitalized again multiple times. This is in the year two thousand fourteen, spring of two thousand fourteen. So I got diagnosed in 2000 and, well, let's see. What is 14 years minus this? We're in 2022, so 2008. Okay. I got diagnosed. And then 2014 was when the next big cycle kind of came again. Okay. So made it out of that, rebuilt myself up from the ground up, and um, was working solid. I ended up renting an apartment with a bunny of mine. Come 2015, we're renting an apartment. 2016, I, um, or we were renting a house, I'm sorry, in, in Metairie. In 2016 rolls around, he was smoking weed. I didn't ever touch it again. I was smoking Mm -hmm. cigarettes. I was drinking. So that factored into, um, setting me off again on a manic streak that ended up in psychosis. So here I'll clarify what mania, um, means and what psychosis means because mm-hmm. you know some people listening may not.
1: Oh right, listen. right.
2: So mania is an elevated state of mood where you're you're high, you're really high energy. Um people often mistake it for somebody being high on drugs. So if you think of like meth or something like that, where somebody's like, ah you know, they're tweaking out. Mm-hmm. Um you know very high energy, not sleeping much, don't need to sleep much, um Your body starts kind of working against itself. Uh, You're spending money frivolously is another symptom. Uh, Making rash decisions. You know, you're doing things like you wouldn't normally do. Like, I don't know, going streaking in the park in a public place or something like that. That's stupid. You know, and we would do it in college. But, you know, here at 25 years old, not the best thing. Stuff Mm -hmm. like that. You're making decisions like that. Sexuality comes into play play, or or sexual, like, things if you're Mm -hmm. making... Risky sexual decisions and stuff like that. Um, that's a that's a big factor. So major symptoms of mania are are those kind of things. And then what happens is, is mania, if it's left untreated, can almost always lead to psychosis, which is where you lose touch with reality. Wow. And you start hallucinating. You start seeing things that aren't there. You start hearing things that aren't there. Um, you tap into this whole other realm. So. Mm-hmm. To you know? Um and I I fully believe that it's like there, you know, like there's something there outside of just this physical connection that we have. Of course, you know, spiritual world, whatever you want to right. call it. Yeah. Um and it's it's only when you tap into that kind of space that it's like, whoa, this shit's like crazy.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So I mean I I pfft, and a lot of times when someone's psychotic, they'll, they'll think they're God or they'll think they're hearing the voice of God or, you know, very spiritual type experiences mm-hmm. happen in psychosis. Um, you could see the future. You could see the past. Talk to dead people. Like all those kind of things are symptoms of psychosis. And so when someone loses their touch with reality, there really is no way of bringing them out of that than powerful medication. And hospitalization. Mm-hmm. So you kind of get past the point of no return when you're in that kind of a state. So that started happening again in 2016 for me. I had just started a brand new job at a five-star hotel. I was a food and beverage outlets manager, built myself up to this pinnacle of my career. Because mm-hmm. um, at that point, a lot of my career had been in food and beverage. I'd been a server. I'd been a manager at a local mom and pop type place. And- sure. So I wanted to kind of expand my horizon. So I I got hired on at one of the most prestigious hotels in New Orleans. And two weeks in, I, I was going like I was in and out of psychosis at work, which is dangerous. Are you aware
0: of it at the time or no?
2: Um I, I if it happens if it happens now, I am. Yeah. Um but back then I I, I just I couldn't quite put my finger on. It. I knew something was wrong. Mm -hmm. And I knew I needed to go to sleep because sleep often resets that. Sure. You know when you when you can kind of disconnect and it's like when you shut your computer, like we had to just now. (laughs) Right. Your computer off, reset it, come back on, everything's fine. We're online. Yep. You know that's similar. It it can sleep can help in those kind of situations, and so I knew I just needed to go to sleep. I'm like, I need to get out of here. I need to go to sleep, but I didn't realize, oh, you're in psychosis. You need need to get help. You know. And so it wasn't until I was too far gone that hospitalization was necessary and medication was necessary. So, so how, does,
0: how does that happen? Like, I mean, I'm assuming you're just not like, okay, I got to get hospitalized. Like, is, is is this like mandated? Like someone's taking you there or someone's telling you?
2: Yeah. Oftentimes it's someone else. If it's, yeah. well, as I continue on in my story, you'll find out how it's kind of unfolded for me. Mm-hmm. But for for those instances, it was oftentimes my parents who were taking me.
0: And were um, you resistant?
2: At times, I was in the very beginning. I mean, my my dad had a friend who was a cop. He was he was on the SWAT team. Mm-hmm. Um, Todd is his name, and I'll never forget him because he came and saw me in psychosis, and it wasn't they weren't trying to threaten me or anything like that, but they were they were like they they didn't know what else to do, so right. they bring in their friend who is trained to deal. A lot of people don't realize um, police officers are trained to deal with mental health problems. Hmm. You know, how to de-escalate situations and, you know, really try and talk some sense to the patient, you know, whatever. So they bring in their friend to kind of hopefully bring me out of it a little bit. Mm -hmm. But it didn't work, you know. So, I mean, various times I've just had that they've driven me to the hospital and, you know, you get seen by a doctor and a doctor sees it off the bat and, and admits you in. Um, so, and, and mental health was a nightmare in these times. Like now it's completely, it's completely different Mm
1: -hmm. how it is
2: now. Um, so I, I, that cycle happened again, you know, and I was, I was in hospitals. Um, this was the beginning, this was August of 2016. This was the beginning of an eight month period where I was hospitalized once a month over eight months wow. for at least seven to 10 days. Wow. Yeah. They couldn't get me straight. They couldn't get me to come down. I, the meds weren't working properly. It was miserable. It was absolutely, I just was like, is this ever going to end? Yeah. Like, what's suicide was starting to sound really good at this point, you know? Yeah because I'm freaking out. I'm like, how is, I don't see, there's no end in sight, you know, Mm -hmm. like this is just, it's like every month repeats itself. I end up in a new hospital, psychotic out of my mind and nothing's making me get better, you know? So somehow in March of 2017, the cycle was broken. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it was in particular, but something broke the cycle and then I swung into a deep depression. And I was in depression from March until November of that year, 2017. We're in, and so I'm like, man, what? Like, there's no hope Mm -hmm. I can't win for winning. And so I get out of this depression in November of 2017. I start working my way up to getting a job again. And so I started working as a server. the following year, spring of 2018. And I'm, I'm making my way back, you know, I'm, I'm coming back up to the top again. And so I, I left that job as a server, took a job as another server in August. And by December, I was hired on as a food and beverage outlets manager for uh, New Orleans, a company that worked for New Orleans International Airport. So back on top again. Yep. And things were going well, I was living well. Um I wasn't doing drugs. I wasn't I wasn't drinking very much. My drinking started to kind of get out of hand a little bit in 2019. Mm-hmm. Um but that wasn't the major attribute that happened. Sure. Um a lot of times what can happen is uh changes in environment can spark episodes of mania. Mm-hmm. So I had this great job. I was working 10 months at the airport. And then all of a sudden, uh, out of the blue, my dream job comes along. And the uh another hotel down here in New Orleans uh scouted me out for a job with them, doing what I was doing at the airport for a major salary more. Um so wow. that was that was the beginning of the end for me, though.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And so in 2019, um this is October 2019, I started with my new job, and I was I was just high, I was riding the high. I was mm-hmm. very manic. And in, in that first month, I made two errors in judgment that would cost me my job ultimately. Wow. And that was just the end, that was it. From November on, it was downhill. Um, I was highly manic, highly unreasonable, living in that high, which is a dangerous place to be. It's just a matter of time before it leads to psychosis, you know. And so, this is November. So by Christmas, I was in the hospital, and I, I spent Christmas in the hospital. This is the second time yeah. in my life I've spent Christmas in the hospital, and it sucked.
0: Imaginably so. Yeah.
2: Fucking fuck. Sucked.
0: Are you are you are you medicated this whole time?
2: Yeah, I was on medication. Okay.
0: Okay, yeah. like a mood stabilizer or something to kind yeah, of Yeah,
2: I was on a very low dosage at that time in in 2019 I was on a low dosage of Risperdal, which is an antipsychotic. Um I was the the whole goal throughout my journey has been to be on the least amount of medication as possible to function.
0: Fair. Yeah.
2: Um because I've been on the extreme opposite of that, you know. Mm. And so I've worked with a great team of doctors over the years. Um the one, one I'm with now is really good. Um, Dr. Nicole Kane, who's actually coming on my podcast in this next season, Awesome. she's, uh, she's going to come kind of share our story of how we met and how she treats me and all that kind of stuff. We've been working together over eight years now. Wow. And so she's been, she's been here for over half the journey. Um, and That's we've amazing. made great strides in that. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I was medicated the whole time. Okay. I, I have never, there was one period and it was in 2016 when I, when I stopped taking my meds. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the only time I've ever stopped taking my meds. Right. But this time I was, I was just on a low dosage and a lot of change was happening and I couldn't keep up with it. Mm-hmm. So Christmas I was hospitalized and then come, I get out of the hospital right before New Year's, January 2nd, I'm hospitalized. This is 2020 now. So I'm hospitalized January 2nd to uh, the 9th. I got out, I spent a week there and I started going to counseling and working on me and my Mm -hmm. issues and a lot of what are the the root causes of that. And so I started working with this guy Carter Featherston, love him to death. And he really got in and started dealing with some shit. And when you start unboxing the shit that was inside me, like I said, at the very beginning of this, Mm -hmm. I was I had some shit inside of me that I just didn't want to fucking deal with. Yeah. When you start unboxing that shit, Expect things to go wrong. But it's necessary to unbox that stuff in order to grow and heal. Absolutely. And I learned that in this. But I also hit the biggest rock bottom that I've ever hit in my life. When all this started happening in January of 2020, I was like, I can't do with this. I threw caution to the wind. I started... um, I started having rampant sex, I started drugging hardcore, I did meth for the first time, I was drinking uncontrollably, I was doing cocaine, marijuana, anything. I just was sick of feeling all these things and, mm-hmm. and sick of being this bipolar person, you know, and having these ups and downs and this and that and the other hospitals, in and out of hospitals, and I was just done. I, I was trying to end my life because I couldn't go on as I knew it. I couldn't continue mm. with life as I knew it, and it wasn't until we're, we're getting into February now. I'm like, I went on a three day meth binge. I had orgies going on. Like, I it was my my apartment was this actually <laughs> this apartment. I hate was laugh, a revolving but... door. Yeah, and I mean, I was doing all kind of risky things. Yeah. I was driving a coke dens and uh, like. I it was it was nuts. It was absolutely self, was yeah. out of control.
0: Just self self-destructing.
2: Self-sabotage. Yeah. You know? And so I was like, well, this is it. And I February 10th of 2020, I got into an altercation with my father. Oh. And uh he had me pinned down on the ground in front of his house. And the cops came and they put cuffs on me sat me in the back of the truck and then I get transferred that they, they take me over to and I knew it was coming I knew it mm-hmm. was coming. they take me over to an ambulance and an ambulance takes me to the hospital and that was the longest stay I've ever had in a hospital I was there 12 days Jesus. mostly because of the fact that I had an altercation and the VA got involved and mm-hmm. like it was it was insane. God. So but what are it, they
0: doing uh, while you're there? Are they just trying like? Uh, that's sound ignorant, but are they just like trying to yeah. get, like load you with lithium or something to like just have you come down or?
2: Yeah. So they they put me on a high dosage of lithium. They put me on a very high dosage of Invega, which is an injection, and wow. um, they they just loaded me up. You know, um, I was getting. I got a shot. It was going. My body was just. I'm a very fast metabolizer, so it processes out of my system very quickly. So they had to inject me like two or three times over the twelve days that I was there. Um, they gave me lithium. I I I was just overloaded. And then I came out stable and I haven't been in a hospital since February twenty second of twenty
0: twenty. Wow. It's a long time. So,
2: Yeah, it is. It's, it's going on two years now. It'll be two years. Yeah. Thank you. Um, but that was my rock bottom and that's, that's what I talk about in the podcast. You know, um, I I even say something like meth has a funny way of making you realize that you're at your wit's end, you know, um, when you don't want to function anymore, when you don't want to be alive anymore, it's it's got a fucked up way of making you realize there's more to life than this Mm -hmm. you know so that's kind of been the journey over the last 14 years it is it is a hell of a journey um but i've come out you know so i continued on with the counseling coming out of of that and then the pandemic hit um I, I did I was doing therapy once a week and Carter did some amazing work we got rid of some of the biggest demons in my life you know that I was holding on to and that a lot of the trauma that surrounded all of that that was causing uh the bipolar cycles you know um I had a lot of demons that I wasn't dealing with that um were were causing these sort of cycles in life where I would build myself up to this top that's pinnacle only mm-hmm. to come crashing down, you know, and here I am, I'm sitting here living proof that you can break the cycle that mental health or mental illness has on you. Because I now have a job where I'm making the salary that I was making at the hotel that hired me yeah. after the airport. I haven't made that salary since then. And here I land this job, it's virtual one-on-one meetings, 90% mm-hmm. of my time, you know? So I'm like, I'm loving it because as we know, I'm a people person. Yeah. So I I climbed back up. I got my car back after two years of not having a car. I told him my car in 2020 in the middle of all of that craziness. Jesus. Shouldn't have been driving. I'm lucky I didn't kill myself or somebody else. Yeah. It doesn't sound like
0: you should have been driving.
2: No, it no, like... definitely not. Yeah. make sure if you if you are someone who struggles with going in and out of mania mm-hmm. and you've battled psychosis, give a give a set of your keys to your parents or someone you trust. My parents now have my spare set of keys just in mm-hmm. case anything happens again. Yeah. You know, better to be safe than sorry. because um, I went two years without a car. Literally.
0: I can't even imagine that.
2: No. And it was miserable. True. So um but like I have, I have a car again. I didn't, I never lost my apartment. Thank God, I never lost my apartment. That's good,
1: yeah.
2: that's good, yeah. But, um, I mean, my disability helped pay for that. My, the money I got from disability for insurance mm-hmm. helped pay for that, you know. So, I built myself up to this top again, and because of PTSD, I, you know, and not surprising, you know, at that, I've, now wondered what's going to happen next and you know what i'm here to say that cycle's been broken really it's not going to happen again
0: why are you so confident
2: because i'm living it every single day i am living out my dream and what's keeping me centered is i don't do drugs i hardly drink anymore Mm -hmm. i will maybe drink have a drink on a special occasion like a birthday or something you know, um, I I take a lot of care, a lot of self care. So I listen to my body. If I feel like I might start be getting manic mm-hmm. or elevated, as I like to call it, sure. I, get a, I get in touch with my doctor asap. Um, we schedule a meeting. We come up with a game plan. If I start not sleeping, we have medicine in place that can help me sleep or get back on that cycle. So. And I've dealt with all the bullshit and the fuckery Mm -hmm. that I needed to deal with in my life, all that trauma that I was holding on to all that, excuse me, all that pain I was holding on to in life, you know? And so I finally dealt with all of that and can now be free to live this great life and to thrive and grow and flourish instead of living the fear that, oh, this is going to cycle again, I'm going to end up in Mm -hmm. hospital. You know, have I had moments? Absolutely. I had a moment where I and you'll see it if you listen to the entire podcast season of of season one, Mm -hmm. you'll see what I'm about to say. I there was a moment where I went, I was dating a girl and I went I started going manic and it led to psychosis over a period of months. Didn't get hospitalized because we were able to catch it. And the team that I'm now working with is an at-home healthcare team, so Mm -hmm. they Will come out and see me if they need to. They'll help me get through it. They try and keep you out of the hospital. That's their goal. But I had a moment there where a couple of months I was very manic and and ended up in psychosis. Um, So, but I just I I I have this sense now that I never had before that that cycle is finally broken. You know,
0: that's awesome.
2: So it's a it's awesome, man. It's you a freeing
0: feeling. Like this whole time, honestly, I'm thinking to myself, like, man, this guy is so positive about this. Like, it felt it felt like he broke the cycle of it now, yeah. and whether that's true or not, or whatever, you know, it, it's the fact that not that it's true. I'm saying like, it could happen again, right? But what, what, what we are learning now, and what I th- what we try to talk about on here is like mental illness and mental health in general is such a trial and error. Like, it you're gonna go through all this shit. But like what you learned over those years and learning like, okay, Hey, I'm going to like, it feels like I'm getting a little manic, toss the doctor's game plan. You know, it's not just fuck it. Let's ride out and see what happens. You know, it's like with anxiety, depression, like you, once you start catching, you know, your triggers and you start doing self-analysis and therapy, like, it's not like if you never sought, sought the counseling, you'd probably still be in the same cycle. Like people, some you can't just rely on the drugs.
2: Now, I think for yeah. me the counseling was key. Yeah, Sounds it opened like up doors that I didn't want to open. Mm-hmm. But when I walked through those doors and dealt with those fuckers, that's where the freedom happened. You know, and that's why I know I may I may get hospitalized again. Mm-hmm. It may happen, but it's not going to be the same way right. it was with these demons running amok in my head, going you know, keeping me in this downward spiral. You know, that's the best way I could think of of illustrating it is, Mm -hmm. you know, um, just the the demons we all have in our, the skeletons in our closet, you know. Um, That's what really kept me in that cycle, I think, was the fact that I was stifling all this stuff that I didn't want to deal with because I was too afraid to face it. Mm -hmm. Well, here it comes, time to face it. Yeah, I hit the ultimate rock bottom. But now look at me. I'm flourishing. Right. I'm growing and it's now living with this disorder, not it having a hold on me. Exactly. You know. And exactly. I've learned how to watch, you know, trigger signs, the smallest thing gets off, we start addressing it then mm-hmm. so that it doesn't get out of hand. You know, we're actually in the process of tapering down from lithium because lithium has proven for me that the negative side effects are outweighing the positive benefits. And so we're we're working our way down off of lithium to see if I can just be stable on this injection of Invega that I get. And I get that once a month. Okay. So, you know, you're getting a little bit of education, a little bit of drama, a little bit of comedy.
0: That's and that's what we're trying to do. And like what you said about living like living with it. It's what I'm talking about all the time. It's like it's accepting the anxiety accepting the depression accepting the bipolar whatever it is because i know some people say like oh you can you know you can beat it and this and that it's like if you're if you if your whole quest or whatever you want to life quest is to beat it you're gonna fucking waste your life you know yeah. you learn to live with it right live the best life you can you know with that stuff a question i have you know it's kind of a little off topic but you're, you're, you're getting these jobs, great jobs, losing the job. How are you getting these jobs after, like, I'm just thinking, like, I'm looking at a resume here, all right, two weeks here, two weeks here, like, yeah,
2: how the hell did that happen?
0: There had to be uh-huh. some, not only say tomfoolery, but.
2: I want to go back to something real quick and then I'm going to answer. Yeah, 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 yeah. You said, uh, you know, what you said just now was key. It's not about. You've got to learn to tame the beast. You're never going to conquer the beast. Not in this life, at least. Mm -hmm. You know, with these disorders and illnesses, they're lifelong battles that we have to constantly face. And there's ways that you can, and I've learned now, ways that I can now tame the beast. But you're going to kill yourself trying to conquer it, you know? There needs to become, there needs to come a certain level of acceptance of this is not something that I'm ever going I'm never going to be the same again you know yeah. i have to live with this the rest of my life and you can either choose to accept that and run with it or deny it and run from it and you're going to be a hell of a lot happier if you choose to face the battle and run with it than you will trying to run from it because it's going to catch up with you it always absolutely. will absolutely so That's what I have to say on that. But as far as the jobs are concerned, so my resume looked a lot like this. I had six years at Cafe Cafe, which is a little mom and pop place. They built me up from the ground up. I worked with them through college. I worked with them six years on and off. And then uh, uh, the first hotel after that where I was only there for two weeks came in. But I didn't put them on my resume when I went moving forward. So Mm -hmm. the next job that I had after that was, um, it wasn't until, I I actually took a job doing digital marketing um, with a friend of mine. And I said that I did that from the time I left the cafe Mm -hmm. until I got the job at New Orleans International Airport. Technically, it was a work from home type thing, and yeah. I did it over a couple of years, so if anybody ever questioned it, that's what I would tell them right and then I got the job at New Orleans International Airport and then was there ten months and okay. then you know so kind of that's kind of how my resume looked, so it didn't look like total shit sure <laughs> but i'm really I'm really good at interviewing yeah, um, yeah, yeah. when it comes to jobs, uh, I could sell nuts to a squirrel. <laughs> And so that's a lot of my experience of selling nuts to squirrels and in these interviews, and I would just land these interviews, and mm-hmm. I would just lose my way through them. You know, I mean, it, I think mean, it's not schmooze, but like, I'm I just get a genuine yeah. person, you know, and oh, yeah, what you see is what you get. So when they see that they're attracted to that, and they're like, mm-hmm. we want you, then they, you know, then they hire me and then shit go say, why?"
0: <laughs> not anymore, but, not anymore. Not anymore. No,
2: it's definitely yeah. not anymore. You know, Absolutely. and I've proven that, you know,
0: mm-hmm. Hey, so speaking yeah. of like your coping, like coping mechanisms, what, what type of things do you like to do to cope with? I mean, also, you know, with bipolar, I'm sure that comes with like anxiety as well, right? Yeah. Is that safe to say? Okay. What type yeah. of things, I mean, do you help cope with that on a daily basis or, you know?
2: So one thing I've used to cope is the podcast. Um, I created the podcast in February of 2021 and launched it April 7th of 2021, and that was a way for me to get my story out there. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have any plans for it other than that. I my, my goal was to touch just one person, and I did that. Yeah. And then came 42 countries later, and <laughs> thousands of downloads, and you know, like all of that kind of yeah. came as it as it went. But that was never the goal you know and so that was always one way that i used to cope um with the 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 bipolar life you know um as you'll see if you go back and listen to uh, season one what i was talking about earlier how it just unfolded the natural course of my life um i started dating this girl and i went manic and stayed manic over a period of months and was still producing episodes because I was always of the mindset that I was like, I want people to see the real me. I don't want them to see the highlight reel that people just post on Instagram and Facebook. And, yep. um, you know, that's the highlight reel. That's what celebrities want you to see. They don't let you see when they're crying in their bed at night. You know, I put I posted a, a, a video on Instagram where I was in tears because mm-hmm. I had just broken up with this girl, you know, and that was like a real raw moment in the middle of mania, you know, like, yeah. People saw that and I eventually took it down just because I'm like, all right, that's, that's enough, you know.
0: Sure, understandable, sure.
2: Right, but I mean, for the most part, my content's out there for people to go back and listen to and replay and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And that was something I always took pride in was that I would be genuine and authentic with my listeners and that would be my way of, of kind of coping with this life, this hand that I've been dealt is kind of taking them on this journey with me. And so that's the whole first season, you know, the highs and the lows. So I created the podcast to help me kind of cope. Um, then it became just a little too much, and I needed to step away. Mm-hmm. And I focused on myself. I got my I got my car back. I landed this great job that I've been in now. Um, and then I I was like, all right, let's let's see if we can start making kind of a comeback. Because um, I've got a lot of friends in the podcasting community, not you, and you know. Um, People are like, well, what's 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 going on? Are you gonna come back, or you know, what's what's next? And so, uh, I'm now kind of in the process of coming back for season two. You know, I've got this Mardi Gras Instagram live series going on where I bring other people on to talk about um, mental health and how they're helping to strike out the stigma surrounding it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, other ways I've coped are just by being creative. You know, when I when I can be creative and come up with a series like that, um, it allows me to to put away the anxiety, to to put away the, the negative thoughts that kind of come in those intrusive, repetitive thoughts that we all get from time to time. Yeah. Um, in the bipolar mind, that's really de- detrimental, you know, because they they just don't go away. You know, they they sit there and they fester and they go over and over again, like on a loop. It's like watching this one clip from a movie on a loop and it's like, all right, this is getting old, (laughs) you know? So that's one way for me to kind of cope with it um, is by just allowing myself to be creative and come up with things. Um, Another way I'll, I'll play music, you know, that's a huge escape for me. Um, I love listening to jazz, you know, and jazz kind of helps kind of calm me out, you know, and so I'll play jazz while I'm working. And in fact, it was playing up until we started recording.
0: It's a good idea. Very smooth. Yeah. yeah never think about that. Very, yeah, smooth.
2: yeah. very relaxing yeah. music. It is, it is. And it's just, you know, that's who I am. You know, it's classy, stylish. It's, it's timeless, you know? So I love listening to jazz. Um, other ways I've coped is uh, if I like, if I'm having trouble sleeping at night, I'll play, um, like I've got this relaxing music that I play. It's cool. know what it's called. If I, if I think of it, I'll give it to you to put in. Yeah, notes. absolutely. But, um, I play this like relaxing music that doesn't have lyrics. It's just sounds and mm-hmm. music. Um, and that's one way that I can get myself to sleep. Um, or a weighted blanket often helps too. I, you may have heard that. Oh, that's a yeah. big thing with anxiety is a weighted blanket. It really helps. So, I mean, that's just a few ways that I've learned to cope with things. Mm -hmm. And you you have to find ways that work for you. It's a very individualistic type of thing when it comes to how do I cope with this? Like there's not, what works for me doesn't necessarily work for you. And what works for you isn't necessarily what works for me. You know, so You've got, to, you've got to kind of figure it out and navigate for yourself on this journey. What are some ways that I can cope with the anxieties that I'm struggling with? Whether it's intrusive thoughts, obsessive thoughts, pervasive thoughts, you know, what's you've got to kind of centralize it and focus it, realize what's going on inside and then figure out a way that's going to help you abate those things. So
0: That's awesome. I'm glad you brought up like the part about stuff not working for certain people because honestly, even the weighted blanket. So I have a weighted blanket, I love it. But there's times where, it, like, if I'm having a hard, like, some of my anxiety um, is like physical symptoms, so tight chest, hard time breathing. You throw a weighted blanket on yourself, well, fuck, now I can't breathe at all, right? So it's suffocated. <laughs> yeah, it's, but, but like you know, people it, it, don't take. Like try a way to blanket, try it. Like you need to just keep trying and trying and don't give up because like this mission, you know, to live the best life you can with these illnesses. Like that's part of it. You have to work and try and try. And the perfect perfect example of the way to blanket, it's like, I have one. It's great. Sometimes it is the last thing I need.
2: (laughs) Exactly. And that's the thing. What works for you in certain instances Mm -hmm. isn't going to be that always go to you know die hard thing it for for me sometimes a weighted blanket doesn't work a a hot cup of tea will
1: yeah
2: you know and that soothes my insides it gets rid of the tightness in the chest i can do some breathing exercises do some meditation all that kind of, i mean you just have to find what works for you in those moments and it's it's a very individual thing you can't like i can't say Everybody go try a weighted blanket, you know, because mm-hmm. like you said, it's not, it's not going to be what one size fits all. It's not one size fits all.
0: Exactly. I got to try that tea thing because like, you need to. Tea what, lately I've been having, like lately, my anxiety has been kind of surfacing as like the tightness in the chest. It's like, sometimes I can't like just knowing going through it, you know, so many times I know I'm, I'm fine. It's not dangerous, but it's still extremely uncomfortable. You know, yeah. know, so that, that's a good idea. I'm going to try that. Um,
2: Get you some hot tea that you like. Yeah. Right over here by my Keurig. And just well, sip on it. There's yeah. Dr. Kane, um, <clears throat> my naturopathic doctor mm-hmm. who I've worked with over the last eight years. Excuse me. She's, she talks about a 4S method. It's like sip, sense, sight, and smell or something like hmm. that. Change, change the scenery. You know, yeah. whatever you need to do.
0: I like that. So before we kind of get into our last couple questions, yeah. Well what's some advice you would give someone that's you know maybe just got diagnosed with bipolar? So (laughs) buckle up.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Buckle up. (laughs) Buckle up, Buttercup. Yeah. Um that's a great question. And I love that question when I get it, because I if I if I could give myself the same advice, you know, 14 years ago now. Man, it would look differently. Um, I know a guy who got diagnosed two years ago. He's 18, and he just started college. Um, And I'm going to give you guys the same advice that I gave him. That no matter how hard it gets, no matter where your road leads you, no matter the journey you take, there is always hope. And you have to hold on to hope. Because without hope, you've got nothing. Without hope, you're dead. Yeah. And it may be the hardest thing. You're going to have to walk through some very difficult times with this diagnosis. And you may get to your wit's end and feel like you absolutely want to die. I've been there. I've been there before. But the underlying theme in my life is that there has always been hope, even when I'm at the bottom of the pit. So as far as advice... My advice is that you hold on to hope no matter what, Yeah, hold on to it and don't let go because that's all that's going to get you through.
0: It's Perfect. Simple yet perfect. And I can go for any, honestly, anyone in any situation, but Absolutely. It, it's the truth.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I've been, I've been through some shit, you mm-hmm. know, now, you know, I mean, you listen to episode one, you've heard me tell the story live now yeah. you know and i i have held on to hope my entire life and it's finally paying off 14 years later you know
1: yeah.
2: i'm a completely different person than i was 14 years ago and i mean did i see myself like i saw myself married by now i saw myself owning in a house all that kind of stuff.
0: Oh, all that Do I shit, have yeah. all that?
2: Absolutely not. I don't have a house. I have a I have a great apartment in New Orleans, Louisiana. You know, I have a fantastic job, my dream mm-hmm. job now. Like I don't I don't want to be doing anything else. I want to grow with this company and build a a longstanding career with them. And I've got nothing but beautiful skies ahead of me. But it's because I didn't give up and I held on to hope throughout the worst journey of my life.
0: And worked your ass off. And Either worked certain.
2: my ass
0: off. Yeah. No. So it kind of gets into my next question. I mean, with the, the ambition part, we talked about earlier, like learning how to live a life, like a fulfilled life with, you know, having like an illness. Um, what are some of your goals? Like, well, what is the ambition right now? I know you kind of talked about growing with the company. Is there anything else?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So um, the podcast, um, yeah. getting back to that um making that as big as it can get you know um i would love to do some kind of a global thing i mean since we're in 42 countries um i would like to just see that continue to grow um but i would also like to to maybe get the opportunity to do like public speaking if we ever get back to doing gatherings in person um but right. like you keynote speakers and sharing my story that way you know, um, because I feel like there's a lot of people who could learn a thing or two from me, you know, yeah. um, and I don't say that arrogantly, but I say it because I've walked through hell, so I don't want you to have to, Yeah. you know, so sharing my story in, in that kind of way has kind of always been a dream. Um, so we'll see, you know, as things kind of unfold, mm-hmm. but connecting with people like you and doing these podcasts, I think it's one way that that can kind of happen. So, um, or that it's happening now rather. Mm-hmm. So I'm thrilled at that. Um, but just getting, getting back out there and, and, you know, getting myself back out there, having grown from just even the last couple of years, you know, and the journey that's happened since. I hit rock bottom and come back up to the top, you know, Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, growing in my career, is definitely something I'm, I'm wanting to do. I want to just go as far as it can take me, you know, whether that's the top of the company or, you know, I mean, being all the way up in VP land or president land, CEO land, all that kind of stuff. I'm not afraid of that. You know, um, one thing I will say I had a dream, um, in 2020 October of 2020 and in my dream I was in Disney World and I was working under my general manager from the airport and one of the best bosses I've ever worked for absolutely love this man and so the, the the basically the moral of the story from the dream was that I was gonna replace him who in he, in the dream, was like the CEO of Disney, right? So <laughs> here he is stepping down, giving me his position. And there's like a parade, everything, you know, as it is with Disney.
1: Yeah.
2: So I took that and I ran with it. And I've used it as motivation because I, I wanted to to get to the top. You know, I've wanted to just be the best version of myself that I can be. And if that means taking over Disney World, then that's what I'm going to do. And I feel like the job I'm in now, this is my Disney World, you know, and now here is where I get to kind of make my legacy. So what does that look like on a grand scale? I'm taking over Disney World, but I don't know what it looks like yet, sure. you know, but I'm using that. And now it's funny enough, the dream's kind of coming true because um, I'm still in contact with that old boss and he's supporting me in this journey that I'm on with wow. the podcast and with everything. And my new company is huge on mental health wow. and they know about the podcast. That. They know about me being bipolar. Wow. They know about everything. Wow. And they are supporting me completely through it.
0: Now, did you, were you, did you come out and say that or did they find out?
2: Well, here's <laughs> how it happened in the interview process. They asked me what my oh. finest personal achievement is. I said, it's my podcast. So they're like, okay, tell us more. So I said, well, I have a, a wow. podcast called The Bipolar Bachelor, and I struggle with bipolar disorder. So it's basically a form for me to kind of share my journey with where I've been and, you know, with people who may be struggling with it as well. And so they were like, that's incredible. Wow. We love that around here. So
0: That's incredible. Yeah. You, I mean, that could have not gone that way.
2: Oh, and that's why I haven't ever. This is the first company I've <laughs> shared that with, Fair. you know. I've never in my life shared that with any company I've worked with.
0: Yeah, but it felt right.
2: It felt right. And I was just kind of going with it and it paid off. So
0: it's awesome. Yeah. So I know, I know we kind of talked about advice for someone um, that just got diagnosed, but let's go back to 2020. You know, you just fought your dad, you know, you're, you're, you're in the hospital. Yeah if you can go back and have a conversation with yourself or tell yourself anything, what would it be?
2: Wow. Um, I think I'd probably just smack myself in the yeah. face and be like, what the <laughs> fuck are you doing? The fuck, dude, you're ruining our life. Yeah. Um, honestly, I, I, I think I would, I can't think of like me sitting down with myself because I'm strung out of my mind on meth. You know, I can't see myself sitting down and having a conversation I'm like, why are you doing this?
1: No, mm-hmm. I'd be like, what "Yeah, the
2: fuck? <laughs> Get your shit together. Yeah. You know, um, okay. I think I'd have to show myself a little tough love. Sure. To be honest. Yeah. I think I would. And you know, I never in my life did I ever think I would fight my dad. You know, but when you're in that state of mind, you're not thinking rationally. hmm And so if I could have if I could have gone back and prevented that, I would have done it in a heartbeat. Whatever it takes.
0: Yeah. That's some great advice. Sometimes it's so that's the shit we need though.
2: It is. There there's a time and a place for tough love. Yeah. You know. Sometimes it doesn't work, but there's a time and a place for tough love. Okay. And I think in that situation that I was in in 2020, if I was to go back and give myself advice or, you know, what have you, that's what I would do for sure. You know,
0: sounds like it's what you needed though.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I needed a swift kick in the ass. Is what I needed. <laughs> hey,
0: so before we get to our last question, where could people find you at?
2: Definitely. So, um, I'm on Facebook, but not really as much. Instagram is mainly where I do my thing. So uh, it's at the Bipolar Bachelor Podcast on Instagram. Um, That's the main Bipolar Bachelor Podcast page. Um, So you can find me on there. I'm doing lives regularly. Um, That's where I post about episodes. Um, As far as the podcast itself goes, Mm -hmm. you can find it anywhere you download your podcast. Google, Apple, Um, Spotify, we're on all the major streaming platforms, even some not so major ones. Um, anchor, wherever you want, wherever you can find your podcast, you can download it. Um, season one's out now, season two's coming up soon. Justin's gonna be on season two,
0: whatever you need. I'm ready. And it's great. I want to like, I listened to the first episode and so well put together well presented you could tell there's so much effort got put into it it's for a first episode i was blown away sometimes you listen to some shit i mean i mean my first episode was probably awful and it's like what were these guys thinking like it's very well put together honestly um anyone should go listen to it it's not like i don't suffer with bipolar one at least i don't i don't think so but i was very well entertained educated inspired it was And also, I think, too, if you if you know someone that's struggling with bipolar, this can be a great way to, you know, to gather some empathy, to learn a little bit more about what they're actually going through on a daily basis as well.
2: Yeah, that's actually that's how I met Stefan. Um, And he's going to be on season two. Um, He's the one who I talked about when we talked about giving advice to someone. Mm -hmm. He got diagnosed uh, a couple of years ago now, and his parents actually came on and we're on episode six wow. um it's actually titled "The walk in the shoes of a bipolar parent so That's i had them on and they shared their journey of what it's like being someone who is a parent to someone who's bipolar so um yeah a lot of great stuff from season one go check it out i i will warn you there there are episodes where i was manic and psychotic and you'll you'll be able to tell those they have wow. um their little disclaimers in in the middle of the episode. <laughs> so go listen for those. Um, but yeah. And then I also have a personal Instagram page. I don't post as much on. It's just Jared Madison Fry um, at Jared Madison Fry. I'm on Facebook. Um, you can check me out on there and then YouTube as well. So
0: it's the Instagram. That's what it's all. you. It gets the yeah. Instagram. You can see everything. The lives are great. I love the new world, the Mardi Gras stuff. It's entertaining, it's different. I mean people just are so fucking boring when it comes to mental health sometimes. It's like, I don't agree. you want people to enjoy this? Like yeah. no one's like, oh, I'm gonna listen to some mundane guy talk about or usually it's not a usually it's not a guy, it's usually an old yeah. white woman or something, you know. No, you're right. you're so right. you know that too. Thanks, you know, thanks for being another man talking about mental health because uh- the more, the better, and more of us need to be vulnerable.
2: Absolutely. And that's, that's part of the mission of the Bipolar Bachelor is mm-hmm. to, um, you know, give men a voice because a lot of times that's part of the stigma, you know, and men are afraid to speak up. They're afraid to share their feelings. They're afraid to share what they struggle with. And we want to give you a place to say, it's okay to not be okay. You know, you can share whatever you want here in this space, it's safe. And if you're struggling with mental health, even if you don't struggle with mental health, but you just know people that do, it's a safe place for you to come learn about it. And it gives you that voice, you know, so come check it out, come over to the bipolar bachelor page,
0: give it a check, check it out. Yeah. Um, Our last question. How do you want to be remembered?
2: I want to be remembered as the guy who went down fighting. I think so many times in life, it's so easy to give up. And I thought about giving up by committing suicide multiple times in my life. And I realized that that was not really what i wanted to do i wasn't sick of i didn't want to end my life i wanted to end my life as i knew it right if that makes sense
0: yeah absolutely makes sense
2: and so but when you when you die by suicide you give up there's no fight in that you know there's no dignity in that you leave behind a trail of broken hearts chaos there's no there's no honor in that, at least not to me I'm speaking for me you know yeah, but I want to be remembered as the guy who went out fighting so that whenever I die at sixty seventy eighty ninety years old
0: say don't sell I yourself short <laughs> <the end>.
2: yeah <laughs> I fought till the end you know um so that's that's how I want to be remembered That's a great question
0: thank you well the answer is perfect and it just honestly ties everything together because that's exactly what you are doing. Clearly you fought, continue to fight. Um, you know, I want to thank you for coming on and not uh, like telling your story. Cause hearing all that and hearing that you were suicidal, it's like, to be honest, people should understand that, you know, hearing what you went through and just continue to fight and fight. And even, you know, people, people that are, you know, starting to struggle or have been struggling for years. There's, you still need to have that hope that you're talking about because there is that light at the end of the tunnel. It might not be a month from now. It could be years from now. Um, but you can live a better life along that way, you know, by putting the work in, like, don't, you can't just sit on your ass. Right. And every episode we, we, we talk about this, it's like, no one just says, Hey, I just woke up and I just felt great the next day. And it's like, yeah. you busted your ass. You continue to work hard and you continue to strive for your dreams, which you're continuing to do despite, you know, having a diagnosis of bipolar, because that's not what defines us. Right. You know? Absolutely. So, so, I'll, you know, I just want to say thank you for coming on, man. I really, really appreciate it. And thank uh, you for having me. no, of course, of course. I'm excited to be on your podcast one day and uh, oh, yeah, we'll get it done absolutely thanks everyone for listening you know if if you or someone you know struggles with bipolar you know highly highly suggest checking out his page and and not even just that it's just it's super entertaining lots of mental health you know stigma being broken and that that's the whole goal behind this whole community as a whole because we, we are all a team here like this isn't gonna be a one-man show or one woman right. like we're all in this together and thanks again for listening thank you for tuning in to another episode of the anxious ambition podcast you can find us on all podcast platforms. Follow us on Instagram at anxiousambition. You can actually watch this podcast over on YouTube. Lastly, check out our website, anxiousambition.com, where we have all of our merch and a portion of every sale is donated to NAMI and it helps support the individuals and their families who are suffering from mental illness. Thanks again for listening. and Until next time, take it easy. Anxious
1: Ambition.